Hello and welcome to the Bang to Rights podcast. My name is Peter Murray. I'm a lecturer in multimedia journalism here at Manchester Metropolitan University. I'm joined today, as usual, by my MMU journalism colleague, Dave Porter. Hello, Dave. Hi, Pete. Now, this week seen the long-awaited publication of Dame Frances Cairncross review into the future of public interest journalism. Long awaited by us, at any rate. Um, the 150-page report has already been described as everything from a missed opportunity to the best effort on either side of the Atlantic to tackle the power of the internet platforms as news providers. In a moment, we'll hear some of Tuesday's debate on the report in the House of Commons, and we'll have a reaction from one of the key contributors to the report, the Bureau for Investigative Journalism. But first, Dave, we're just back from court again, aren't we? We are, yeah. We've just been to an inquest, uh, took the students uh, in Manchester. Uh, really good exercise, actually. It was a two-day inquest, just finishing mm-hmm. today. Um, quite a formal inquest with, with counsel from both sides, and it was a case of a man, um, David Smith, died last year in the Manchester uh, Royal Infirmary and um, he was having a double kidney a transplant. double kidney transplant. And yeah. it, it, it transpires that uh, one of the kidneys was infected and all sorts of complications arose from this. Um, the inquest really focused on you know, what level of human culpability or error might have played a part in the systems. Uh, but I think that, you know, great to see your ex-student there, Pete. Cubbing, yeah, yeah, Rebecca Day the from, the, from the MEM yeah. was there. And uh, great and to catch up with her. Yeah, yeah. and really yeah. good, uh, you know, for students to get an insight into how, you know, a, a, a coroner's court operates. And the coroner, in fact, was really impressive, actually, the way he handled the witnesses uh, and... Uh, yeah, great insight for these guys. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was kind of administrative stuff in there about mm. who takes responsibility for some of the paperwork, um, the consent issues about um, whether whether a patient yes. should be informed about yeah. the risks it, it um, from, from this infection. Because I mean, apparently mm. it's quite common, this infection, in, in kidney patients. And it turns it's a, out to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like 30% of people could potentially die from yeah, this. Uh, yeah. But, of course, from the family's point of view, when family was there... Um, you know, it was interesting both the consultant doctors apologised uh, in court to the family. Um, is it a system error? Is it a human error? We'll wait and see yeah. what the uh, well, coroner says. We'll, we'll wait and see what the coroner says and we'll, I'll post um, a note on, on Rebecca's report because she, mm. she will be doing a piece. Um, we, we had to leave um, to come back to the office to record this um, and the coroner was due to, to make a judgment, we, we think, sometime yeah. um, while, we're, while we're recording this. Um, but Becca is staying on there. And that in itself is quite interesting, the fact that the MEN, Rebecca does a lot of court reporting and, and covers a lot of the coroner's courts um, for the MEN. And that in itself is quite interesting because that's one of the things that, um, amongst other things, that mm. uh, that um, Dame Frances Cairncross was kind of addressing. And there's a particular couple of paragraphs in the report um, about that, including reference to, to the work from Chris, Chris Jones from Huddersfield University. We had Chris on, uh-huh. um, on uh, the podcast a couple of months back um, on his submission to Cairncross. And Dame Francis does address his submissions about court reporting and making that um, more responsible and making it more open potentially to uh, to to news operations of one kind and another. So we'll come on to that in a moment. Um, remember, you're listening to Bang to Rights from Manchester Metropolitan University's Journalism Unit. Remember, as always, you can comment on all of the issues we're discussing on Twitter at RightsBang. Please do get in touch. But back to our main story for this week: that Cairn Cross report on the future of high quality journalism. Dame Francis recommends an investigation by the competition watchdog into 
the online advertising market, akin apparently to a recent inquiry into the supermarket sector, just where the, the two coincide, we'll have to wait and see. There are also proposals for a new body to provide funding for public interest journalism, and we'll, we will hear more about that in just a moment, as well as tax breaks and changes to charity law to ease financial pressure on small news publishers. The Media and Culture Secretary, Jeremy Wright, told MPs on Tuesday he welcomed the key recommendations in the report, especially the prospect of new regulation for the major online platforms such as Google and Facebook. These would cover issues relating to the indexing of content on platforms and its presentation, as well as the need for advanced warning about algorithm changes likely to affect a publisher. The development of these codes would be overseen by a regulator. The review also proposes that regulatory oversight be introduced as part of a news quality obligation upon platforms. That would require that platforms improve how their users understand the origin of an article of news and the trustworthiness of its source. Dame Francis recognises that platforms are already starting to accept responsibility in this regard. However, the Shadow Culture Secretary Tom Watson said that both the review and the government had partly ducked their responsibility to come up with detailed plans to control what he said was the monopoly role which the platforms play in controlling online content and news. Firstly, we need to address the immediate symptoms of market abuse caused by the data monopolies. The harms, the hate and the fake news. To do this, we need a new duty of care obligation on social media companies enforced by a tough new regulator. Last week, a government minister indicated that duty of care could be enforced by criminal sanctions, not just civil penalties, if companies are found to be in breach. Can the Secretary of State confirm they are considering this? Secondly, we must address the root cause of the problem. I believe that that is a distorted digital market. A review by the CMA is all well and good, and we welcome it, but I think we need to modernise competition laws to make them fit for the data age to really address abuse in the digital market. And thirdly, once we've dealt with the symptoms and the causes of the problem, we must improve the health of our digital markets by shaping a digital public sphere to bolster our media, secretary, uh, our media sector uh, and protect our democracy. Protecting democracy also appears to have been in Dame France's mind when she proposed extending the local democracy reporter scheme as part of the review. But a former BBC and Press Association journalist, Christine Jardin, MP from the Liberal Democrats, told the Culture Secretary she was concerned that the major local and regional newspaper groups have been taking the lion's share of that project. As someone who lived through the reduction in the number of jobs and the shrinking circulation figures um, and whose family was directly affected by them. I recognise everything in this report and welcome um, its recommendations, many of them, such as the new Institute for Public Interest News, tax breaks for non-profits and charitable organisations are very welcome. Less welcome, though, is the kind of sideswipe at BBC over the local um, democracy reporter scheme, which I think is vital in protecting local democracy, although one problem with it may be that it has been kind of consumed by the four biggest players. And perhaps <coughs> in taking this issue forward, the Secretary of State might consider some way that we can ensure the protection of local and hyper-local um, publications 
with this scheme and that they are a part of it and don't become eaten up by the bigger organisations. That's the Lib Dem MP Christine Jordan there. We can now speak to Merian Jones, who's also a former BBC journalist and one of the founders of the Bureau for Investigative Journalism. Merian, the Bureau submitted evidence to the inquiry. Did you get anything of what you asked for from, from Dame Francis? I think the key issue for us is charitable status uh, for non-profit investigative outfits like our own. Um, in other countries, in America, uh, there is charitable exemption that if you back journalism as a funder, that you will get uh, tax exemption, and it's seen as a public good. And up to now in Britain, that has been very difficult to prove. It's been very difficult to convince the charity commissioners that journalism is a good thing and that democracy and coverage of the courts and all these things depend on healthy healthy journalism. Uh, so we made that case for public interest journalism and she's very strongly backed the idea and in fact already Jeremy Wright has written to the Charity Commission to ask them to think about this and to think about relaxing uh, the restrictions on charitable funding of journalism. I mean it's not a one a one hit wonder which will sort out all the problems as we know but that's a, that would be a major thing for for non-profits like ourselves. It would be I mean as well as the taxation stuff that the strictly fiscal stuff it would be kind of a major cultural shift as well isn't it because um, philanthropic backing for journalism has been you know it's been a big factor in the industry in the states and and so on for for some time but it's not really been uh, a, a reliable source of finance here, has it? No, I mean, we're growing, we're advertising jobs at the moment, in fact, yeah. but uh, we're unusual in that, and <clears throat> compared to the amounts of money that are being distributed in America, I, I was at a conference last year, not long after uh, tr President Trump had been elected, and there were, you know, Twitter billionaires walking around, uh, you know, handing over piles of cash to um, non-profit journalistic <laughs> yeah, organisations. If only we could Un get it here. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, they were all American. But, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it's just a remarkable sight when you see, you know, one of the internet billionaires wandering around in a conference full of journalists handing out money. So how soon do you think it might happen? Uh, you know, you mentioned Jeremy Wright's written to, to the, the charity ombudsman, if you like, to, to see if we can sort this out. But um, do you feel that there's, there's much to be gained from, from operations like yourself? I think there is, yes. I mean, you still need the traditional media, um, but especially as we're addressing, you know, particular areas that have maybe not been covered enough uh, and that... Uh, you know, a relatively small additional income to a group like ourselves can make a big difference. You know, when I say relatively small, uh, you know, if, if, if philanthropists gave us another million quid, we could, you know, increase our operations by 50%. So to an organisation like us, it's a big difference. You know, if you're talking about a billion pound outfit like the BBC, you know, a million pounds here or there doesn't make much difference. But to us, it would make a huge difference. Is there anything else in the in the report that that you find at, at, at the bureau that you find interesting? I mean, the, there's this public service news initiative. Yes, um, I mean one of the great things about it is it's probably the only organisation with a duller title than the Bureau of Investigative <laughs> Journalism, Institute for Public Interest News. I mean that is staggeringly dull as uh, 
as a name. Well, it could have um, a staggeringly large amount of money to, to talk about. I mean, well, Dame Francis is talking about it becoming the size of the, the Arts Council, potentially. Yes, everyone seems to have missed that line. I mean, if that's true, she's talking about hundreds of millions yeah. of pounds. Um, and if this government stays in power, though, I cannot see that happening. It's not inconceivable, though, that we might find ourselves with a coalition... Labour, SNP, Lib Dem government, and they might go down that line. So we shouldn't sort of rule it out as fantasy because it might happen. But I can't see that we will be relying on it in the near future and expecting it to deliver money to public interest journalism. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the interesting comments that I've seen was from the Ferret, an organisation in Scotland that I used to do some stuff for before um, in a previous and, and, life. And now, they, and they've said... And, the, and they, work, they work with us. Exactly, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things that they've said is that, in a sense, with the Scottish government, they're pushing at an open door because the, the idea of public funding for public interest journalism has been kind of adopted more or less by the Scottish Parliament. And so were there to be that kind of broader coalition in, a, in, a, in another government um, in Westminster, then maybe, maybe the, that would kind of add a bit more torque to the, to the project. Well, that's exactly why I mentioned the SNP in yeah. terms of a coalition, that that, that might put a, a lot more pressure on. Yeah, Dave. What what did you pick up from the report? That well, you think might... it's interesting, isn't it? Cause I think it's a very good report in the sense of it, it's a very good analysis of the industry. But you kind of feel like the horse is bolted, uh, and uh, you know the two main in terms of tax relief. I think you know for Merion, charge status uh, for you know non-profit public sector journalism is fantastic. And I thought it was interesting that uh, they discussed looking at what I would call you know my, my background, regional journalists. I'm wondering what they're left with here because you know the the current cost review said, well, we can't extend charitable status to what are effectively commercial organisations, which have, over many years, you know, been, uh, the NUJ would say, beholden to shareholders, uh, you know, they're not the newspapers, they're advertising outlets. Um, and, uh, you know, words it leave, you know, the Manchester News, uh, your local news, I mean, Cairncross does say talks about the societal risks of uh, the disruption of the you know the news market and democracy is suffering, but actually I think a lot of people will say, well, what were the uh, recommendations? You know, there's nine recommendations here. Does include some tax relief, uh, the innovation fund. Um, you know, talks about the as you say the CMA investigation into online advertising, um, but you know papers are folding daily uh, and weekly and you know is it too late uh, what what can be done let's talk about you know greater um, cooperation between Google and Facebook uh, but interestingly they still shy away from uh, very much say that you know we, we cannot list the social media platforms as, as publishers you know they cannot be held legally liable um, it's very interesting uh, and I wonder how much it's, it will be now down to the government to see the nuts and bolts of this. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that Tom Watson addressed when, in his contribution to, to the discussion yesterday uh, in, the, in the House of Commons about, you know, how the, the government, both the government and, he said, um, Dame, Dame Francis had kind of missed the, mm. missed the opportunity to, to tackle this head on um, and really ducked, uh, ducked away from it. So, it, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, as you were saying, Mary, and the, the government's kind of attention really is elsewhere, isn't it? Well, it, uh, it, uh, it's a bit of a sideshow with everything else that's going on at the moment. But the, um, one of the, I guess one of the things that um, the, the report has raised is the, the Dame Francis says that the, 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 the Facebook and Google have to or should inform news publishers if they're about to change their algorithm. Yes, that's um, is, yeah. that, is that likely to happen? 
Uh, well, <laughs> they, they can inform them that they are likely to change their algorithm, but how much the uh, papers will know from that, yeah. what effect it's going to have on them is another matter. Uh, no, I mean, I think starkly in there, the, the numbers in terms of what Facebook uh, and Google have done to yeah. uh, the whole, you know, the whole newspaper and media economy are really, really stark. It's eye-watering. Uh, hmm? It's eye-watering. It, it, it really yeah. is. I mean, you know, we keep seeing the numbers, but every time I see them, you know, I, I sort of gasp again. The billions that have been taken mm. out of the market uh and you know compared to that we're you know we're, we're just trying to raise a few million to uh you know to try and get some good important stories out there um but uh it's very very difficult to see beyond that tax thing beyond maybe the um you know, beyond beyond some of the sort of small, easy measures. So, like the tax, the you know, giving charitable status to journalism is an easy thing to do, to you know, non-profit public interest. Mm. That is easy. I can see that happening quite fast. I can't see some huge arts council dishing out hundreds of millions to the Manchester Evening News and every no. other local paper. I just can't see that happening. Mm. So what's, what would be your kind of overall conclusion from this, Marion? And, and also, Dave, I mean, is it a missed opportunity? We've had six months of this investigation. I think well, it's we, a... Good, sorry, Marion. Go on, go on. after you, Dave. <laughs> well, just, uh, it's a good analysis of, of the state of the industry, I think, you know, very concise, uh, lays the figures out uh, in, in a frightening way. Uh, it does point at some really, you know, important issues about, you know, the risk to society, the, the lack of local democracy... Um, and I think the idea of breaking them up, you know, this monopolies uh, akin to what happened to the supermarkets years ago. And if we could get the online platforms to, to share advertising, to invest, to share digital cultures, these are all kind of, you know, nice touchy feely things. I just, I just think there's some missing, you know, there's not enough depth in there. Marion? Well, at the Bureau, we try not to miss opportunities. So for <laughs> us, uh, for us, we will be every time we go to a funder and they turn around to us and say what public good does journalism do you know we'll deliver them a 157 page mm -hmm. report from Cairncross to say look this is backing it us, us up it's approved by the government everyone agrees with the sentiments in here so for us it's going to be quite helpful i was also laughing slightly uh, earlier when uh dave said that uh uh rather than saying that pa uh, papers go out of business they fold. I mean, papers <laughs> always fold. Don't of they? course, they never, ever be. go out of <laughs> Unintended pun. Yeah, but I mean, it, one of the things that was was interesting for me watching the debate in in the House of Commons. I mean, Robert Halfen, uh, who's the MP for Harlow, um, talked about how. Elderly people, there's no, there's no newspapers there any longer. Elderly people are phoning him up or coming to his MP's surgeries to find out what's in the news. Um, so I think there are a large number of MPs who do recognise the mm. danger. Um, and it's good to see that, that Karen Cross has kind of endorsed those concerns. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see just how much of it actually does transpire. I mean, for local MPs, it's vital because, you know, that's how they get real it's their yes. outlet, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they need appearing, it. You know, it's free, free advertising all year round, mm. the wonderful things they're doing. Uh, so, yeah, they, they really do feel the squeeze when that disappears. Okay. Well, look, um, 
we're going to have to leave it at that. It's been a shorter episode um, today than than sometimes, but it, ho- hopefully you've got a little bit from this. We will post some notes um, from uh, in in the show notes. We'll we'll put a link to to the bureau's work. Uh, we'll put a link to the Manchester Evening News, and of course, obviously, we'll put a link into to the Cairn Cross Review and to some of the debate in the House of Commons. But Marion Jones from the Bureau uh, for Investigative Journalism, thanks very much indeed for coming on Bang to Right. Thank you very much for having me. And so we have been Bang to Rights. Thanks very much to Dave as well for coming on. Thanks, Pete. Remember, you can subscribe to Bang to Rights on Apple Podcasts. And as usual, you'll also find us on Stitcher or you can search for Bang to Rights on the MMU Northern Quota SoundCloud feed. That's all one word, MMU Northern Quota. Please leave us a rating. It helps spread the word and helps others find us. You can tweet us at RightsBang and follow us for updates about the podcast and cases and stories we're following in the courts and in the news. Do let us know if there are topics or issues from the lectures or from your own reading which you want to to cover in future editions but in the meantime thanks for listening we'll see you soon